everybody. Welcome back to D-Pod. So um, today we have a new series. Okay, and this series is called Alumni. So we are interviewing alumni of the University of Chicago. And for the first installment, we have Jeffrey B. Hello, Jeff. Hello, hello. Um, I'm Jeff B. And, is it B uh, or by? I've heard. I've actually heard you say it both ways. So, uh, I grew up saying Jeffrey By. Um, so my full name is Jeffrey. Um, but when my so when my dad came to the U.S., a ton of people got his last name wrong because he worked in science, I guess. So it's uh -huh. like biweekly and mm. all those like. Uh -huh. And so they called him. Um, so his name is Larry. So Larry By. Uh -huh. And then they got it wrong enough times that he was like, "Screw it." My last name is Bynum. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. And I don't know at what point people started getting it right. Oh, interesting. But um, I think it was like during college. But it was around the time that I start, started going by Jeff. So if I say Jeffrey, I say Jeffrey By. Oh. But if I say Jeff, I say Jeff B. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm really confused. That's okay. what it is. Got it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I met you as Jeff B. So you will forever be Jeff B to me. So... Um, so Jeff is, uh, you know, an alum uh, from Chicago. Uh, what year did you graduate? 21? 2021? Uh, yeah, I graduated okay. in 2021. Yeah. And uh, he is now serving at our uh, San Diego ministry. Um, what is it? What is your guys' name over there now? We are Wave College Church. Wave College Church. All right. So he, yeah. And he's one of the Acts to Network staff there, which is shocking to all of us who knew Jeff as an undergrad. So, um, but yeah, you know, I think the heart behind these episodes is, um, to kind of just highlight some people who've gone through our Chicago ministry here. Uh, and, and I think their stories are really interesting and the way that God worked in their lives are very amazing. And so I just wanted uh, some of our current students to be able to uh, know a little bit and he hear from your story, Jeff. So, um, maybe, yeah, could you, yeah, could you just start by just talking to us about like, um, like what you're doing now, like, uh, your situation in San Diego, um, what ministry are you involved in? Where are you working? Stuff like that. Yeah. So after I graduated in 2021, I moved to San Diego to start working at Qualcomm. Um, for those of you that don't know that that's a large semiconductor producer. And so I work on their finance team in China pricing. Um, so, um, after studying economics in college, I went into finance um, and then since then, I've been actually for the last two and a half years, I've just been finance, uh, working China pricing and um, outside of work. Uh, I think one, I guess all of the people at uh, uh, Voyage Church also know this too, but we're like co-vocational ministers. So like what I do outside of work is actually what my main passion is. Um, and I think that... Uh, yeah, it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to minister to the current sophomores at UCSD. Mm. Uh, so I am a mentor for um, the sophomores at the University of San Diego, and I split my time there and do fraternity ministry at well as well at San Diego State. Mm. Um, so I'm involved in both, and it's pretty cool, actually. Um, this past week, we just did our holiday party with the San Diego state chapter. Mm. And we were able to like go in there and just like look at our year and review and be like, Hey, what are we thankful for? How can we zoom out in the midst of finals and everything like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, um, was that holiday party like SDSU ministry in general, or was that for the frat outreach or? 
Uh, specifically our fraternity outreach. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So oh. we went in and we actually held it at the chapter house. Oh, wow. How many, how many guys do you see? You, would you see you have relationships with there? Oh man. Uh, since starting there, um, eight weeks ago, we probably like consi- consistently, it's hard to tell, but, um, like our biggest event, we had 28 people come. Wow. And yeah. then for our holiday like event yesterday, we had about 10. Mm. Um, so it's a pretty good group of guys and we've gotten to know a lot more people. Yeah. And, um, like in the beginning, they were definitely like, who the heck are these people? And like yeah. a little more cold. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But this past time around, I think that like, even though it's like a little strange mm. to be like, hey, like, what are you thankful for for this past year? And yeah. then like write it on a little <laughs> sticky note. Um, they were all like willing to talk yeah. and share about it, which is pretty cool. So they've gotten a lot more warm and like students go as far as like, so like next quarter or next semester there, like a couple of students actually want to go mm. play golf. So like actually go out and do things together. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I don't know if you heard, but, um, Agape and Tove here have been, um, cause one of our students is, is part of a frat. And so, uh, they've been doing oh. some outreach as well. And just, I think they just went three weeks over to the house and, um, and just meeting the guys there doing some discussion around what it means to be a man or kind of d- different topics around that issue. And so, yeah, it's been neat. Like, I think they've met like, 15 to 20 guys at least had like uh, one interaction with. And so we're hoping to continue some of that next quarter. So exciting to hear about yeah. the, the frat outreach. Um, so, so can you tell us about, um, so I, I want to have this, uh, you know, our listeners kind of know what, like who you are in relation to you, Chicago. Okay. So kind of tell us about your time at you, Chicago. Like what were you involved in? Like what, what's your like you Chicago profile? Yeah, so um, I started college in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I feel old. Um, <laughs> uh, in 2017, and I um, I started as a like a resident of BJ. Mm. So um, for you, those of you that live there, um, I was in Chamberlain House, which is you know the best house on campus mm. uh, by far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know that everyone has their different opinions, but you know, this is just objectively true. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, um, and so that's where I started and I had a single, my first year in college, actually. Mm. Um, I think if I remember correctly, BJ is one of the only houses, like only dorms on campus that is pretty consistently like you'll get a single. Mm. And so I lived there and then, uh, starting off college, like most of you guys listening, I think, um, I was an economics major and <laughs> I think if I remember correctly, it's like 35% of campus is econ majors. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you can most of the time guess it right. If, if you meet someone new, but I, my first year in college, I was an econ major. And then my second year in college, I tacked on a double major. So I was doing East Asian language and civilizations with a specialization in Japanese art history. Mm. And then, so those were my majors. Um, I took a lot of classes with no overlap in either major. So that kind of sucked, but I, I really enjoyed both majors and, um, outside of like school, I was involved with groove theory. Although in my first year in college, they were known as Phoenix freestyle. Um, so those of you that know Jason Guba, uh, Jason actually recently performed with groove theory. Mm. Um, 
So I guess recently is last year, but yeah. recent. I mean, yeah, <laughs> more recent than you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jason was part of that group, and that's actually how I first met Jason. I think. Mm. Um, and then uh, I was also involved in Greek life, so I rushed my first year in college. Mm. I rushed fall quarter and. Um, part of a frat that's actually no longer on campus anymore. Mm. Um, so we aged the chapter out during my fourth year, but, uh, yeah. So that's what roughly the extra stuff I was involved in. I was pretty involved with my house. Mm. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Most people I think are, they're forced to stay in housing for two years now. I actually opted to stay that second year. Mm. Uh, I really wanted to be there and I really liked my house. And so despite all my involvement with extracurriculars and like fraternity life, I actually, I decided to stay in my house because I, I really liked it there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, so that's some of your background at UChicago. Like how did you, let's talk about how you started first started getting, uh, plugged in or kind of introduced to our church. Cause you, you were not Christian, um, in call for most of college, I guess. Um, so yeah, for most of college. Um, so, and we'll get into that story, but how did you first get connected to our church? Yeah. Um, I guess he's kind of ancient now too, but there's this guy named Noah. Um, <laughs> yeah. One, one of the Stefan and Agape's, uh, college friends who helped plant the church here. Uh, uh-huh, Noah. Yeah, yeah. So Noah is my half cousin in law. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you can, I guess you can tack on long lost in front of that. So, um, so Noah's older brother is Isaiah and Isaiah married my long lost half cousin. Um, (laughs) so random, (laughs) so crazy. And so like through a weird series of connections, um, I had met, I had met Steph Kang, uh, my long lost half cousin a couple years earlier. And so when Noah actually came to plant the church in Chicago, um, she sent me a text when she was like, Hey, like these guys are new in town mm. and like, like you can go check them out. And so, um, me being me, I decided to, I was like, yeah, sure. He's technically family, I guess. So I'll go meet him. Mm. And so I first, that's how I first met Noah. And I think it was at Tayamo in North that they were doing uh, Boba outreach. Mm. And so I got to meet all of them there. Mm. And that was in your second year, right? Your second year. Yeah, that was my second year. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, Chicago church was planted in t- 2018. So that would have been your, your second year. And, and so I guess you, you got to know them just personally since you know, Noah. And I think through Noah, you met some of the other guys like, um, Stefan and Ben and, 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 and some of these guys, I guess. Um, so what, what yeah. are your, what are your early memories, um, from that time? Like, um, what was sort of your impression of, what these guys were doing, like, you know, cause again, you had no background in, in this. And so you, you know, I don't know. I'm just curious what your thinking was. Yeah. That time. Um, I thought they were really weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. For, <laughs> um, so like I have, I came into college, no spiritual background, mm-hmm. uh, well, very little minus like the, the chapel I was forced to go to during high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but so I went in with very little exposure. So I was very confused why a bunch of like software engineers or like people involved in software, mm-hmm. um, would leave 
Berkeley or SF or like the beating heart of what you would consider software to come to Chicago. Um, and much less than that, like there were a group of guys, like I think there was five guys living in an apartment that I knew that most of them could afford on their own. Hmm. Um, so I looked at it and I was like, that's really weird. Yeah, it is but weird. <laughs> yeah. More, more than just being weird. Mm. It was very curious mm. because like here are a group of guys that like, I'm looking at my closest friends on campus and I was like, man, I'm close with these guys, but like, there's something about these guys' relationship that is like, they are like, they are close mm. and it, it just felt different. Um, and so I was very curious about them, um, very like mind boggled, I guess. And like, so I asked a lot of questions to Noah. Mm. I was like, why, why did you come here? Like, like, why would you leave your nice SF coding job to come here to Chicago to like, I know some of them, I think found new jobs in Chicago when they mm -hmm. came. Yep. So I was right. like, why would you, why would you go about doing that? Like, and Noah would talk to me, but it's like, I'm so convinced about what I believe that I'm willing to leave everything behind for it. Mm. And, and as I was talking with them, I was like, so like, why these guys? And we was like, well, we were close friends during college and we're trying to like figure out what to do with our next life, like next step in life. And then they were like, man, I want to do something crazy for God. And so here were eight guys at Chicago with no affiliation to the campus, mm. like trying to start a church. And so as weird as it was, as strange as it was, I was like, there is something different about this group of guys. Mm. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons that like I stuck around to ask more questions. Mm. Um, but early on, I remember <laughs> Halloween during their second year there. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you guys still do this. We did a pumpkin drop that year. Except um, we haven't actually, I think since that first year. Yeah. 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 So we, but it wasn't like a normal pumpkin drop where it's mm. like, Oh, like 15 feet off the ground. We threw it off like the third story balcony. <laughs> this is like 40 feet off the ground. <laughs> yeah. And there was like, uh, I remember the tarp being laid on the ground was huge because they were prepared for these pumpkins to actually explode when they hit the ground. <laughs> wow. And so I remember that really well. Um, but I really wasn't all that consistent during my second year. Mm. So like, I didn't really come out. I maybe came to, this is going to sound really bad. I think I came to like two events mm. in the beginning because I felt bad. Yeah. Um, makes sense because I knew that like, it's really hard to start something if no one shows up. Oh, so yeah. I was like, sure, uh, I'll come to something. So you get like, you have a warm body at least. Right, right, right. <laughs> so out of pity for them, you showed up. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I'm glad you had a good heart. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, I I think that my my heart most of the time was I wanted to have fun. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like, I showed up for like throwing the pumpkin off the third story. Mm -hmm. I showed up for later on in the year when Endgame came out. I showed up for that. I don't think I showed up for the Bible study before that. Oh. Okay. I think I just showed up for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I just like wanted to have fun and look. So I met up with those guys and did a lot of fun things that year with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, any other like um, memories from that second year? Like, uh, like it may be not events, but like 
what what were the context in which you would see those guys? Because because you I guess you saw their lives and you said you felt like they were really close. Like how did you observe that? Yeah. So, um, I think that during that year, as I was asking questions to them, um, Noah suggested that I was like, hey, like you're curious about a lot of things, and I think that there's this like this course that our church offers called mm. Course 101 on Christian Foundations, and um. Like this book, this like course will actually address a lot of your questions. Mm, and so a lot of the times we'd actually do it at their place, at their apartment. Oh, and I so see. while we were there, we got to observe a lot of their life. Okay. Or like I'd show up for like some fun thing and they had like wrote me into cooking with them mm. and be like, Hey, like, and so like, as you see those small interactions with each other or, um, during my second year, I definitely pulled at least two or three all-nighters at their place. Mm. And so, like, I just wanted a change of pace and I didn't want to be on, like, in the reg anymore. Like, the yeah. reg is sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to get out of the reg. And right, so I right. pulled an all-nighter at their place instead. And so, like, because I was there just studying, the, you just, like, sort of, they're off doing their own thing. Mm. And so you can sort of see their interactions or what they're doing. And, like... I guess as you, it isn't like they did something spectacular, but as it, it's kind of as like I observe their day-to-day -day life mm. because they just opened their home and I was like, hey, you like come over, come study, come like, I know you have a tough night or a final ahead of you or a midterm, whatever it is, like come hang out at our place yeah. and we'll just like open it up for you to do that. So that's how I got a lot of my interaction with them actually. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, that, I guess that is one of the unique things about our, our church's culture, which is the whole open home thing and inviting people in. Um, yeah. I mean, I have a distinct memory of you from your second year after a prayer meeting or I, I, I don't know whether we invited you or you invited yourself over, but somehow you ended up at our apartment. Um, and, and then you were, it was the day where you were like uh, showing Emma some, like, I think some things from your media class, one of your media classes or something. Um, it was like oh, in a different language. Or yeah. something. It was like Japanese or something. Um, but yeah, I was taking a sound class, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Yeah. 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 I do remember this. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I have no idea how I ended up at your place either. Yeah. Um, but stuff like that happens. <laughs> I guess that's the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I, I think that's a part of our culture that I really appreciate and uh, hopefully our students are continuing to experience that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's talk a little bit about like your spiritual background. So let's get into your faith journey a little bit. Um, so what, yeah, what was your spiritual background like before, before college, before intersecting with our church? Yeah, my, I think I went to church once growing up and it was in New Zealand because my like uncle wanted to go mm. and that like, in terms of like formal church, I think that's the only thing I can really remember. Um, during high school, I moved to Florida actually, and I went to a private Episcopalian school there. Hmm. Um, Florida being Florida doesn't have great public education. And so um, went to a private school and because I was there, uh, they forced us to go to chapel every week. Hmm. I see. And so I got a little bit of exposure there, but actually, um, it did the exact opposite of what you hope it would do. And it actually pushed me further away from 
exploring Christianity or wanting to know more about Christianity hmm. because their form of like convincing people to believe was just like, just believe hmm. because that's what you're supposed to do. And I thought this is also going to sound really bad, but I thought like Christians were really dumb. Hmm. I was like, how do you like, you, you have no reason to believe what you believe. Hmm. It's just like, it makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. And so I was like, this is incredibly dumb. And because they push that on us every week, just believe. Um, it actually left a really bad taste in my mouth for Christianity coming mm-hmm. into college. And so like my first year in college, I think that was the last thing that I was considering and I like wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. But yeah, growing up, I, I would say my household is pretty Chinese. Um, so didn't really talk about religion, uh, never really something that we went over. But my parents were like, hey, if you decide to like become religious one day, that's up to you. And um, I guess sort of on our own, but we grew up very traditionally Chinese. So like honoring your parents, honoring your grandparents, like mm. that like that honor culture was heavily instilled in us. Mm. Got it. Yeah. So, so overall, like very little uh, religious experience besides um, what you experienced at your school um, and that one church experience. So what were you? Where would you say your personal beliefs were at? Like, were you like, is there a label that fits like atheist, agnostic? Like, what, what, how would you describe yourself coming into college? I would, if you had asked me my first year in college, I would have said I was, I would have said I was atheist. Um, I think the closer description is probably agnostic. Mm, I so I believe that there might be something out there, yeah. but at that point I was pretty sure it wasn't the Christian God. Mm. Um, and so like, like maybe there is something out there, but like to like to the Christian proponent, I would have been like, you're wrong. Mm. Uh, Got it. Well, so from there, obviously your life's, um, changed a lot or, you know, there's, there, you know, lots happened since then. Right. So, so, yeah. you know, we talked a little bit about already, like how you in- intersected with the 2015 bros when they first moved out here through Noah. Um, like w- what else happened there? So what was the turn? What got you start getting kind of spiritually interested? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think that as I came into college, as I mentioned before, one of the things that I wanted to do was like, have fun. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the things that, um, I really like thought I wanted and like wanted to pursue to that extent. Um, my idea of fun at that point was just like going out partying and like seeing, seeing the world for what it's worth. Mm. Um, like trying everything at least once. And I think that's one of the things that really, uh, and captures my first year in college. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, I also grew up in a pretty restrictive like household. Um, I don't know if restrictive is the best word. I grew up in a really Chinese household. Mm. Um, so like it comes with its own set of rules and the things like that. So like prioritize your studying, prioritize like things that like can really like build up your resume. Mm. And, uh, so in college for the first time I was quote unquote free. And so I did whatever I wanted. Um, so like in rushing a fraternity, um, I was part of a really small, um, Sigma class. So I, I rushed Sigma Phi Epsilon. So SIGEP on campus at that time. And, um, so for SIGEP, 
um, they preach to you that like, instead of when you rush, you're supposed to be for a lot of fraternities, you're a pledge. Mm. Um, for SIGAP, when you join, you're, you're called a Sigma. And so unlike most fraternities, um, you're not supposed to have a like hazing period or like hazing altogether is like banned, but like, you're not supposed to have any pledge period that like denotes, like, if you don't do this, you won't have membership. Um, now that is technically the way it's supposed to be. Um, but I think that because of the norms that come with like fraternity life at that point, a lot of what we experienced, even though it was quote unquote voluntary was very similar to what a lot of people experience as a pledge process. Mm. Um, and I think that it's only on looking back that I can say that. I think during that time I would have been like, oh yeah, like I chose to do that. Mm. And like, I it was like hundred percent voluntary and all these different things. But, um, and I, I guess I can't take that back. It was like, it was voluntary, but I think it toes the line of what most people would consider as like pledging nowadays. I see. Mm. Um, but because of that, I actually, I got really close to my Sigma class. Mm. So we were a group of four guys. And so we went through like thick and thin together. Um, like whether it was like helping clean before parties or doing door duty or like, like watching, like, like we grew to like really watch each other's backs. Um, and we got really close. So actually, um, one of the guys, I definitely wouldn't have passed my first math course in college if it weren't for him. Mm. Um, he really pulled through, like he, we would work together and he would like help me out a lot. I definitely should not have been in that math class. Um, <laughs> for those of you that are took it, I guess it's math 161 honors calc definitely should not have taken that class. Um, mm. uh, that was a bad idea. I came mm. into college like, man, that's going to be great. I'm good at math. I'll take honors. <laughs> and by the time I found out I was bad at math, it was too late to drop. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I got really, really close to those guys. And um, so during my second year when I met Noah and everything, um, like I was still like, I still had close ties with them. And Noah began to like, like I got closer to Noah over the year, whether it's coming over or pulling all nighters, like spending time with him, eating meals. Um, actually Noah went out of his way because I would never go to like any of the Bible studies or Sundays or anything like that. Um, he went out of his way to like try to do a little bit of like Bible reading with me. Mm. And, um, I think it was through those little things that I did with Noah that I got really close to him or got really close to like the guys living in Kimbark that year. Mm. And, um, like, as I got close to them, I think that I began to see them as like, like reliable adult figures in my life. Mm. Um, like they're put together, they're grounded in something that's not just themselves. And, um, like, I didn't realize that would become something that I really needed until my third year in college. So, um, as I was talking about before, I was really close to my Sigma class and, uh, during my third year in college, so October, I guess it was right when third year started for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one of my Sigmas, uh, like one of my Sigma brothers actually, um, he took his own life. Mm. And um, so he was, he was a professing Christian. Um, and for like during that time, like when I found out what happened, I can tell you, 
exactly where I was, who I was with and what I was eating. Hmm. So, um, I guess you guys moved to robust later that year, but I was having coffee at robust with uh, a good friend of mine from the dorm. Hmm. And like, I can tell you what table I was at and everything like that. And like, when I found out that he had taken his life, um, like my whole world basically fell apart. Mm. Um, like he was at my house three days earlier mm. and he was like hanging out laughing. And from everyone's perspective, he was a happy guy. Mm. And like, there was nothing like nothing that would hint at that in his life. And like when, when that happened, like there, there was some part of me that like looked at the pain and everything and just like what I was going through, but like, not just that, like what he must have gone through in order for him to be like, that is the only way out of it. And I desperately wanted something else to be true, actually. Um, if my beliefs at that time were true, what that meant is like the 20 years that he had lived, like it just all gone in an instant. Yeah. And like his entire life, uh, there was nothing more to it. And I remember feeling so lost. And the first call I made was actually to Noah. Mm. I actually, I have no, I, I had no idea what to do, like where I should, where I should be going or anything like that. But I knew that like, I needed to talk to someone. And uh, Noah's response to when he heard what was going on, wasn't like, oh man, I'm like, I'll be praying for you or anything like that. But he said like, I'm coming to get you. Like, where are you right now? Hmm. And um, I didn't know this until years later, but Noah was actually like supposed to be on praise that day. And he like left to go pick me up. And then like everyone is like at church and I'm late. And so everyone's like, where's Noah? Like he, yeah. he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I guess like knowing like, like a single person that like that moment that I was like going through something, Noah, like was like, man, that is mm. so much more important. Mm. And he came to get me. And like, I, ex I began to experience this like peace around people that were grounded in something outside of themselves. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily that like, I wasn't able to commiserate when I was with my other friends in my fraternity. Mm. It was like in the midst of all of that, somehow like, there was great peace when I was with like those guys and praying and like somehow there was something more to it. Hmm. And um, like at that point I knew very little about the Bible, but the things that I did know that were, that the Bible says is like, like Jesus goes and says there, like I go before you to prepare a room in my father's house. Or there will be a day where there's no more tears, no more pain, and like death shall be no more. Mm. And like, I didn't know if it was true or not, but I did know that if Christianity was true, if the Christian God is real, then that means that for my friend and what he was going through, um, that there was a day where, where he is now, there is no more pain. And there is no more tears and whatever he was going through that it, it was like made right. Mm. And that like the brokenness of this world that he never should have experienced that 
like there's healing in that and wanting like wanting a lot of that to be true i really set out on a journey to figure out what it was yeah like Noah and these guys they, they were grounded in something and they were so certain that it was true that they were willing to leave everything behind mm. and then it talks about peace it talks about like redemption and all these things and i'm like man like what if it is true and so i really started searching that quarter for like yeah is the christian god real mm. and is there more to this life that these guys live yeah thanks for sharing that i i, I know um it's a big part of how you started your spiritual journey. I'm sure it's not easy to remember that. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, though it was, uh, maybe a, a dark period in, in some ways. Yeah. It is the thing that caused you to seek. And it's interesting how that works. I, I think that's, um, maybe a common enough experience for people where it's like, it's like the really confusing and dark times of our lives that actually causes us to pay attention. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember, I remember that day. Yeah. Like Noah, like we're like, where's Noah? And, and then, <laughs> you know, later, you know, I heard from him and you know, I think we prayed together. Um, yeah. You know, and, and then I just, I just remember like, I, I just have some vague memories, but I remember you started coming to prayer meetings. Um, I, th I think you were like, yeah, you know, cause pr our prayer meetings were sort of like for our staff at the time. And we didn't expect a lot of students to show up, but like, I remember, here was Jeff B like, here's this non-Christian frat bro. And he's just coming every week to prayer meeting. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I figured like, you know, and I, I think we've talked, you know, we talked here and there throughout that time, but, uh, you know, just that, I think you needed a space maybe to kind of process what you were going through. And I think maybe you experienced peace there uh, when you were there. Um, and even maybe vicariously through other people, do you, do you remember yeah. what helped you the most during that time? Um, and kind of maybe we can go from there to like kind of the point at which you actually decided to become a Christian, which, you know, happened some months later, right? Um, what, yeah. what was actually helpful for you during that time? Um, I think that, so one of the things that, there there's like the, there's this talk that I think was given really shortly after um, my friend passed away on the, like the problem of pain. Mm. And I think the guys, Noah, Stefan, like all the, all the, like the Chicago bros could have gone over the logical like side of things, like how, like how God could allow such things in this world, like thousands of times with me. And it really wouldn't have mattered. Mm. Um, but one of the things I experienced then was people caring for me, even when they didn't know me and people wanting to be there for me and like, like share in my suffering, like the, to actually like uplift me during a time that I, they knew that I was hurting. Mm. So like, I remember, um, so Lee Shen was there during that time. And, um, like, I remember like, despite not being super close to him at that point, um, like when I told him what was going on and like he felt my pain, I remember like his heart broke and he, he, he was crying with me. I remember like people praying for me. I remember like Stefan, uh, Stefan, Noah, Agape, Ben, Nolan, all these guys being like, Hey, like what's going on? Mm. 
Mm. Like, I want to be there for you. Take, like, I want to like eat with you. I want to catch up with you. I want to make sure that you're not alone. Mm. And I think I experienced an outpouring of love from people that had nothing to do with me that really changed my perspective. Like here we are joking about like me just showing up in your apartment, showing Emma videos, but like who in the world would let some random guy show up to his apartment and like hang out with his kids. Mm. And like, there's this like, but you like, there, there's this openness in our homes. There's this openness that I experienced that like nowhere else was seen. Mm. And as I experienced that openness and that outpouring of love from people that didn't know me, uh, I, part of me was like, man, like, where does this come from? Mm. Like, why do you care about me? Mm. And I think that like that moved me closer and closer because it's true. Like when you look at the, what the, like the world's narrative, it is like, look for out for yourself, care for yourself because no one else is going to. Mm. And here are eight guys that had nothing to do with me that are spending time with me, making sure I'm okay, checking up on me. And I think when I experienced that, like there, there is this, like, I, like we are after like looking back on it as like a Christian, it's like, we are, we're called to be one body, mm. right? When one, one part suffers, we all suffer. Mm. And when one, like one part is honored, we all rejoice. And like, that is something that I experienced to be so true. Like I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware that like these guys knew me mm. yet. They were there for me. And so like, as I experienced that over that quarter and into the new year, um, I think that like, man, like things changed. I remember one distinct story that comes to mind of this is, uh, one night, one of my older fraternity brothers, um, he had gone out drinking and he doesn't really remember the night actually. Mm. Um, but he had decided that he wanted to leave his party and walk over to the house that me and my big were hanging out at. And it's only like a quarter mile walk. So it's not far at all, but, uh, we remember him like calling him like 20 minutes after he left, like, Hey, are you okay? And he's like, Oh, I'm almost there. And then half an hour passed and then an hour passed. And being a Chicago winter at that time, it was like negative 15 degrees or something like that. And I remember the frostbite warning being like, Hey, like it's 30 minutes, like 30 minutes, like get inside kind of thing. And he had been gone. He had been out wandering for like hours. Um, and we had no idea where he was. Um, he wasn't picking up his phone. We couldn't find him. And when I didn't know what to do, I called agape. Agape maybe met this guy twice at this point. And it was like midnight, maybe 1am. And Agape was like, all right, I'm coming. Hmm. And he woke up, got out of bed and we hopped in his car and we searched all of Hyde Park, all of Jackson Park and all of Washington Park. I think half of Washington Park. Being him halfway between Hyde Park and Midway. Hmm. He had walked like seven miles in the wrong direction. 
And I think we searched for him for like an hour and a half. Like, Agape actually had nothing to do with this guy. Mm. But he decided to drop everything because he knew that, like, that guy was, like, lost and needed to be found. And I think, like, that heart that these guys had for people really changed the way I view, like, Christians. Like, as these guys are, like, you read these things in the Bible and then they're like, no, like, I don't just read them, but I live them out in my daily life. Mm. And I was like, man, there's, like, there is something more to that. And so, like, it really opened my heart and changed that, like, bitter taste that I had or that bad taste that I had during high school into college to like, maybe there is more to this. Mm. And I, I really wanted to search. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause um, you know, for some people, the barrier is intellectual, right? Like, Oh, I, I don't know if this is true. Um, I, I don't agree with it. And me, and I'm sure you had some of that too, but it sounds like the big apologetic that happened was, was kind of this, it's like a softer apologetic of like, does this work? Does this make a difference? Um, and, and I guess through the lives of some people that you're observing where it really made a difference for them, you're like, huh? I, and I guess it changed how you, your, your impressions that you had of what Christianity was, yeah, or, yeah what it represented. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Um, so, so if I remember correctly, um, the actual decision to become Christian happened, uh, during the weekend of Stefan's wedding. Is that correct? Yes, that right? it did. Um, it happened. So that was February. After? Yeah, yeah, February of 2020. Um, yeah, yeah. So what what happened there? What 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 was the thing that kind of, you know, took you over the edge? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that was an eventful weekend. It was. Um, yeah, a bunch of us flew. I out missed there. my flight. Oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You almost didn't make it uh, up. <laughs> I almost, I just barely made it to that wedding. Um, I think I was supposed to like land there on Friday, but I didn't land till, or no, I was supposed to land Thursday night or no. Friday morning was when I was supposed to land, mm. but I didn't arrive till Friday night because um, me being the prideful man I am was like, I can make a 6 a.m. flight and I'll just pull an all nighter. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. I was oh like, gosh. I could use a five-minute nap. Oh, gosh. And I think those are the most dangerous words you can ever say to yourself. Mm. Like, I could use a five-minute nap. Yeah. And I think I woke up when my plane, after my plane had taken off. <laughs> nice. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> um, but I remember going out there. And there's this really impactful Bible study that they were doing. And it wasn't even like from a Bible text. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. That's right. I forgot about this on Friday night. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Friday night Bible study. It At was called a real talk, real talks, yeah, like R E E L real talks. Yeah. Yeah. On finding Nemo. Yes. <laughs> and, um, the, the, um, I forgot who was actually giving the Bible study. If I remember correctly, it was my, my friend, Nick, you, I think. Well, thank you, Nick. You, you helped a <laughs> lot in my spiritual journey, <laughs> but he had given, like, as he was going through the talk, he equated, um, God to Marlin, mm. the, like the, the dad in finding Nemo and like Marlin searches the entire ocean 
to find Nemo. And he had said that as we're living out like our lives, that's what God is doing to us, that he is chasing us endlessly just so that he can like have a relationship with us. Like when Marlin gets to Nemo, his first thing isn't like, why'd you do that? Like you're dumb. It was like, you're okay. Mm. Like I found you. Right. And, and like, that's what God does for us. Like through people, through everything in your life, like that God has been chasing you endlessly mm. just so that he can have a relationship with you. And like, I think weddings are a time like always that I'm like, I rem like you recollect a lot of things. Like when, um, going through like Steph, Stefan's wedding, they were talking about all the people in his life, all the relationships and mm. like how he got to where he was today. And it caused me to recollect and think about like my life and how like during one of the darkest points in my life, I had a community and it didn't have to be that way. These eight guys that came to Chicago when they had no reason to be there were originally, I found slated, not even to go to Chicago. Mm -hmm. I think they were supposed to go to Pennsylvania. Yeah. To Philadelphia. Um, yep. But like <laughs> last minute change, they somehow ended up in Chicago mm. and I would have never gone if Noah hadn't somehow been my long lost half cousin in law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they would have been just some random group that I was like, ah, they have nothing to do with me. Right. Right. Mm. And like even more coincidences throughout life, all mm. these different things, right? Like somehow that I have this group and like, man, then there, there was this picture that became so clear that like God was chasing me actually, mm. that he wanted to know me. And it wasn't because God wanted to like condemn me or something, but he's like, no, are you like, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to be rightly relating with you. And I think it became really clear, but the things that were missing were, um, I really thought I needed to be perfect before I became Christian. Hmm. And I thought that like, this idea that I like, I think I talked about with Agape at that point was, um, like, imagine if you had, like, every day of your entire life, you'd, like, walk past someone and, like, spit on them every day. And then one day you were like, oh, man, I am so sorry. And then the next day you did that exact same thing. Like, in my mind, I'm like, how can I forgive someone like that? Mm. And, like, if someone had wronged me for at that point was like, I think I was 20, mm. like 20 years of their life. And then one day they were like, Hey man, I am really sorry. And like, can you ever forgive me? Like, can we, like, can we have a relationship? I'm, I'm just sorry. And then the next day they did exactly the same thing. Like there's mm. like, I couldn't, I knew that like in my own heart, like, how could I do that? Yeah. Like, if I can't forgive someone, how can, like, I couldn't imagine a picture of a God that could forgive me. Mm. And then the other half of it was, um, like, like, so there, there's a, a, how could God forgive me? And then the other side was because like God can't forgive, like, like, how can a God forgive me? I need to be perfect on the other side or else he, he won't forgive me again. Mm. And, uh, I remember being in the car with Agape. And actually, uh, I think Agape had gotten engaged 
the week before or the day before. I forget when he got engaged. But um, we were hopping in his car and he goes, um, hey, Jeff, I'm really tired, man. I was like, can we, can we just talk? And he was like, I was like, sure. Like, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, well, there's two things. And he's like, well, the first one is obviously you getting engaged. And then he looked at me in the second one and he looked at me right in the face and he was like, why aren't you Christian yet? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and yeah, just straight shooter. Straight up, and yeah. <laughs> I told him these things that I was struggling with these concepts and I remember him like looking at me and not being like, oh yeah, like just like, you know, yeah, like you'll work through it. But him being like, actually, like I still struggle with like he, for those of you that know Agape and his story that like he had a gaming addiction for a long time and it's still something that he struggles with. And he, I remember him telling me like, Hey, like I struggled with that before and I still struggle with it now. And it's something that I will always struggle with. But he left me with a phrase during that time that will always stick with me. And it's something that I actually now, as I mentor my students, I give to them. Mm. Um, it's, it's God doesn't expect you to change for him. But I hope that one day you'll want to change for God. Mm. And he had told me like for his story and like where he came from, he's like, yeah, like God knows every hair on our head. He knows the darkness in us as if it were light. But he still chose to die for you. Knowing the things that you won't even admit to yourself. Like there's a God that loves you so much that he's still willing to die for you. Mm. And I was like, man, like that is, yeah. Like how can I not like chase after a God like that? Yeah. Like, yeah, I still going to struggle each and every day, but God knew that God knows that. And he's still willing to forgive me. Mm. And then for the other side of it, it's like, how can I be forgiven? And I remember him talking to me about apostle Paul and it was like, yeah, like sure. It's not, it's not great to compare sins, but you look at apostle Paul's life. He was a man that like chased after and slaughtered Christians, like persecuted and like stoned people. And I look at my life and yeah, I've turned my back on God and that's not good. I've rejected God and like, that means I have a broken relationship with him. But if God is willing to forgive someone like Apostle Paul, what makes you think that he wouldn't be able to forgive someone like you? Yeah. And like all, everything just started clicking. It's like, that's true. Like, I don't need to be perfect. I'm going to struggle. But in my life, as I go forward, like it's the question is like, do I want a relationship with God? And at that point I knew God, like I knew God was real, but yeah, it wasn't no, it was no longer about like appeasing God or like wanting to be in his favor. It's like, no, do I want to connect with him? Hmm. God has been chasing me and he put people like agape in my life. And so the question isn't like, how do I be perfect? It's do I want to relate with him? Hmm. And so yeah, it, like all everything aligned. And I was like, yes, of course. Hmm. And, um, so I decided that I wanted to like become Christian, but I didn't know what to do. Mm, like, yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? Like now that I am like, like, sure. I want to take the step, but what does that actually look like? Mm. And Agape, he had, he was borrowing someone's car 
And I have no idea why this guy actually owns this, but he had a little business card with the sinner's prayer on it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and Agape uh, cleaned the car because he had borrowed the car to go propose to Marie. Mm. And so he just happened to have it. Yeah. And so we, we, I was like, all right, I'm ready. And we pull off the highway and, um, it's like at that dog park right yeah, next yeah. to the exit. Yeah. 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 On the way so Berkeley, we prayed. Yeah. yeah. On the way there. And we prayed right there. And I think I was like 30 minutes late for my first ever church service as a Christian. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. And I, I just remember a bunch of us were at the airport. Um, and, and then we get a call from you and then it's like, like, hey guys, I decided to become Christian, and we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, yeah, because we about right. Yeah, we were like a bunch of us were at the airport, like there together, and then I just remember Lishan, um, Lishan saying, like starting to, what did he say? Oh no, he said, I, I just want to run around and start screaming right now. <laughs> and we're like, please don't. <laughs> we're at the airport terminal right now. You're gonna get us kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was a it was a joyous joyous occasion. I think there were many yeah. people crying when we when we heard that news that you finally gave your life to the Lord there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's man, it's it's crazy how um yeah. When I think about your you know your life and you know it's like it's so funny that like the Marlin imagery <laughs> from Finding Nemo like really kind of helped you that that weekend. But I but then I think it's true to your experience. Like as I think about. Just even the fact that like Agape was the one that having that conversation with you, like just God's sovereignty and, you know, like probably out of our staff, Agape is the similar, most similar to you in terms of maybe personality or, you know, like yeah. um, things like that. Right. You guys, you guys are really like the same Myers-Briggs and same. Yeah, we're the same Myers-Briggs and the same Enneagram. Enneagram too, right? Yeah. Uh, you guys are what, type seven? Yeah, we're ENFP type seven. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and then just him being able to relate with your 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 struggle in that moment and speak very personally into it, and like I, yeah, I just feel like God God has been pursuing you through people in your life, um, and so yeah, just really thankful for that. I think um, so as you think about the rest of your college days, you know, so after you became Christian, so you had about a year and a half left uh, of college. Um, as you think about that time, like what what comes to mind for you in terms of like how you how you live had to figure out how to live out your faith now. Right. I mean, man, like, you know, again, you came from a pretty, you know, pagan background, if I may say so. Um, and then you became, yeah. you know, and then you became a Christian. So <laughs> what were some like difficult things? Like what was like a spiritual low point or something that was difficult as for the rest of college? And then what was like a, maybe a spiritual high point as you think about um, trying to live yeah. out your faith in college? Um, so I answer that in reverse order. Mm -hmm. I'll start with the high point and then talk about the low. Yeah. Um, so as you had mentioned, I became Christian in February and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember being really like isolated during COVID and um, like most people were. And during that time, uh, I think it was Noah, Agape, Ben and Nolan actually invited me to live with them at uh, Uni House. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I lived like, so I packed up, I moved in with them and, um, I think it was one of those moments where like in my, my heart, I'll always look back on it as like a really sweet time. Mm. 
So I had just started my Christian walk. I had no idea what it meant to be Christian. I did like, I just like what the daily, like daily life should look like. Right. Mm -hmm. And all of these guys just like took me under their arms. And I think living with them, there was a routine of like, yeah, you should do your devotions or you, we should, you should pray and, um, like stop being a potato and (laughs) stop being a potato. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I think you've seen this too. Like I, I have this, like I become one with the couch Mm, and, (laughs) um, and so, (laughs) so during COVID it was like, yeah, like doing these things and like establishing this, like, yeah, as a Christian, like there are certain things like you should like, like, yeah, what does it mean to rightly relate to God? Well, it means that you should want to have conversations with him. Mm. So what does that look like? You should pray Mm. and like, okay how does God speak to my life? It's like, it's not just a one way conversation. Well, it's through people and then his word. So actually, how do you do that? You read his word. And so like, there was these little things that began, began to ingrain themselves in my life that actually became like a, a really sweet point. Yeah. And like the high point of all of that was I actually got baptized in June during that time when I was still living with them. Mm. Mm. And so like, I remember being able to celebrate with them. I remember getting dunked in Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then redunked in Lake Michigan because it was you and Noah that dunked me. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the guys I was living with wanted to dunk me. So as I was walking back to shore, I remember getting picked up by Nolan. <laughs> I can't remember who else, but I remember getting picked up by Nolan, like superhuman strength in that moment, you know, Nolan <laughs> and getting redunked into Lake Michigan. Um, yeah, <laughs> That's, that was a, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember just being able to like, yeah, it was just like actually celebrating with them. Yeah. I remember barbecue after too. That was pretty good. Mm. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that actually established a lot of rhythms in my life that even carry forward to today. Like the, the knowledge that are, there are certain things in my life that ought to be prioritized. And like, as a Christian, like, yeah, I should want to pray. I should want to take in God's word. And so I'm really, like really, really thankful for that time because I think otherwise I would have been pretty directionless in the beginning of my Christian walk. Mm. Um, and so I was able to like jumpstart it because I was living with them. Yeah. And then um, I remember that summer. Oh man, that summer was the virtual Thailand mission trip. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I remember like that being a, like a lot of fun. And then um, afterward we extended it to teach course 101 to some of the students out there. Mm. And like, I just remember these things building on top of each other. And then like Jason and I spurring each other on and we read the entirety of the new Testament together that summer. Mm. And like that, that like six months of my life is like, man, like, like that's like a highlight of the beginning of my Christian walk. Yeah. Like, if it weren't for those six months, I think the time that came after that would have been even more like debilitating than it was. Yeah. Which brings me to my low point actually. Um, so in September of that year, um, another one of my Sigma, uh, brothers actually ended up taking his own life. Mm. So that was about 11 months after my, uh, my first brother had taken his life and, um, and I remember being really angry, mm. uh, really angry at God, actually. And 
I, I remember it as a point in time. It's like, man, how, like, I've gone through so much already. Like, how can you do this? Like, what did I des- Like, what did I do to deserve so much pain in my life? Hmm. And I think I was talking to you during this time. I actually don't remember if you remember this conversation, but um, I was talking to you about how I was really bitter and angry at God. Hmm. And you had, you had told me that like, hey, like actually, that's okay. Like, like feeling bitter, feeling angry at God, like. God wants to hear about your highs and lows. He wants to know when you're angry at him. He wants to know these things and like, like raise it in prayer, talk to God. Like a relationship isn't just when things are good. It's when things are bad too. Mm. And I remember going through that and then like being like, God, why? Like what happened? Like how can there be such brokenness in this world? And I remember that time being a very pivotal moment in my life, actually. Um, So my second friend that passed away, he wasn't Christian. Mm. So everything that I'd mentioned before and with my first friend that was like, there will be a day where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more, like no more death, right? That for my second friend, that redemption that my first, I'd hope for my first friend, he doesn't have that opportunity. Mm. And I remember looking at that and being like, man, that is... Like, if I have this good news, if there is a possibility for an eternity where there is redemption, that there's hope, how can I not share this with people? Yeah. Because I've lived it. There is such great pain in this world. Mm. There is pain that is like when we feel it is like a, a thousand pounds on our chest. We have no idea how to deal with it. And it like, it destroys us. It eats us from the inside out. And yet I have a story of hope for the future. I have a story of a God that comes into our pain and says, Hey, you are not alone, but I actually, I'm with you Hmm. and I redeem your pain with an eternity that in light of an eternity, even the pain we experience in this lifetime is just a blip. It's like a grain of sand on a beach. Hmm. Like somehow like that is what like hope I have in the future. And how can I not share that? And, and it isn't that I came to that, like, like I knew like, man, I want to share my faith, but, and I want to continue living this life, but it, like, I was still grappling with like, man, like, how can this happen? Yeah. And that low point is sort of bittersweet for me, actually. So during this low point, I, I got to experience like the love of like the 2015 brothers, you like all the Chicago staff and like, yeah, at this point I had more relationship with you guys, but like the outpouring of love doesn't make sense. I remember I was driving back from the airport and uh, I had dropped another one of my uh, brothers off the airport and I was coming back and I just found out about the news that my friend was hospitalized and likely passing away. Um, from a, an attempt on his life. And I remember not being able to see straight because I was crying. I remember just everything falling apart. Mm. And I called at that point, it was Stefan. I called Stefan and told him what was going on. Mm. And his response, exactly the same as Noah's actually, he was like, where are you? I'm coming to get you. Mm. And 
I remember it was the middle of the work day or something and like they came and I, I kind of was expecting one guy to show up like one or like two guys. So one to help drive my car and one to drive his car back. And I, I was sitting in this Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, like confused days, like not really sure what's going on. And I remember a minivan pulling up and it just being like an absolute clown car. Because it wasn't like two people that got out. It was like every Chicago bro mm. that piled out of this minivan. Mm. Because they were like, I don't, like, what is more important than my work? What is more important than what I'm doing right now is you. Mm. And so I remember all of them showing up. And the next day when, my, when I had actually heard the news that my friend had passed away, I told Stefan and it, like, again, it was the middle of the day and all of them showed up. Like, I, I was at my apartment and I had told Stefan, and in less than 10 minutes, everyone was there. They'd like, they had all parked, they'd all, like, piled into my apartment and being like, hey, like, let's talk, let's reminisce, let's be family. And, like, yeah, through that time, I, I struggled a lot with mental health, with depression, anxiety, and almost didn't graduate because of it actually. Yeah. And, but like somehow through all of that, I was like loved so much by these guys that like, yes, it was like a super, like the lowest point in my life, mm. but it's also like kind of sweet looking back on it because like, I like these guys, as I like talk about them, like I am so close to them. Mm. And I, I know that, despite any circumstance in my life, I can always rely on them. Mm. Like even now I call Stefan, I call you, I call Noah, like we still catch up. We're spread all across the country. And yet like it's during these bad times that we came together and we struggled together that we were forged into something that's more than just friends. Yeah. And so I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, man. Just hearing you talk about that just brought back a lot of memories for me too. Cause I had actually kind of forgotten some of those details actually, but I, I think it's, um, I think what comes to mind for me is that that's, that's something about, um, the kind of lives that we're, we're called to live that I don't want to lose. Um, yeah. you know, just, I remember in some ways, man, like, you know, I, I guess to, from, from my perspective, like that, that those were times when ministry was, uh, kind of discouraging at U Chicago, you know, it was during COVID, like it was discouraging for everybody. And so, you know, we didn't have much going on. And, and, and so in some, in some ways, because of that, I think, man, everyone was a little bit more available. And I, th I think, I think we all responded maybe to the pains that you were experiencing in, in, in the way that we intuitively felt like was that's the right thing to do. Right. Given what we say, yeah. we believe. And, um, yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking like, yeah, you know, even as ministry, you know, like as, as, you know, as, as a church gets more mature, um, you know, it's more complex, there's more constituents, right. Um, and, and church can start to feel a little bit less like family and more like a program or more like an institution. Yeah. And, and, and that uh, to some degree that's necessary, you know, as any organization matures, but like to not lose that, you know, like to, to, to remember that that's, that's the kind of, um, yeah, love and, and, and just seeing each other as family and, and Hey, th this is what we're going to do. We're going to drop everything and we're going to be there for each other when people are hurting. 
Like that's that's the kind of thing that that built up our church, not just here in Chicago, but stories like that throughout our network too. So yeah, yeah man, I'm, I'm I appreciate you kind of bringing me through the memory lane there a little bit. What was did we eat Wingstop during one of those? We did. We did right. We did. Like I, I think it was. It was. I think it was our way to just be with you and grieve with you. And I remember as we. And after we talked and prayed for a while, I just remember eating Wingstop. But that, I just wanted to verify that I'm not making that up. No, yeah. yeah I kind of blame you guys for getting fat that year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll take full blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I ate an abnormal amount of Wingstop that year. Okay. Well, it's your fault it, for living right next to Wingstop. You lived right next to Wingstop. So that was the easy. I did live like half a block from Wingstop. Yeah, it was the easiest thing to pick up on the way to your house. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's I what ate happened. An insane amount of Wingstop. <laughs> and, and I remember. Of course, Agape loves Wingstop too. Let's just can we just throw that in there? <laughs> it's one of his favorite restaurants. So. Yeah, yeah, I I got so good at eating wings that like during that year I learned. Like, you know, the wing, like, you can, I could pull it in and pull out two bones. Like, I started off the year and I couldn't do that. End of the year, I was I was a professional. Oh, wow. Like, dust 20 <laughs> wings in, like, 10 minutes. Dang. Less than. Wow. That's so funny. Oh, man. Yeah, it's good. It's good to kind of think back on on these memories. And, man, there, hey, there's a lot I want to talk about with you. And I know there's a bunch of topics that we had talked about talking about that we, we're not going to get to today. And maybe that means a part two, um, and especially because you alluded to some of the anxiety and, and the, some of the mental health struggles that you had senior year, which I know continued um, beyond college as well. And I, I think I would love to actually talk to you about that more in depth. But um, um, but maybe just to wrap up um, today's episode, kind of thinking back on your time at UChicago. So let's kind of broaden it out to your time at UChicago now. But like, what do you remember with fondness from your time at the University of Chicago, just as an institution, as a, you know, of higher education? And then what yeah. would you do differently about your time here? Like now that you've had a couple of years to reflect on your experience at the university here? Yeah, I think that, man, UChicago is, I mean, like the descriptions of it going in are like, you Chicago is where fun goes to die. It is where hell freezes over. Um, my my like, favorite one recently that I heard in, is, um, the, does it work in, uh, it, it works in practice, but does it work in theory? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So coming into Chicago, it's like, man, like you're taught to think in a way that is different from a lot of institutions. Um, you're taught to be skeptical of literally everything. And like, it doesn't matter what's written, how it's written. You're taught to rip it apart to its very core and build it up. And like, to some extent, I actually, I look upon that and I look upon even my faith today and I'm able to say it's a lot stronger than it would have been because I came in as a skeptic. Hmm. I came in and said, like, Noah, Stefan, like, guys, like, I'm going to like rip apart or try to rip apart your faith. Hmm. And I'm going to try to like, and as you do that, as you build your foundations, you find that like Christianity is really grounded. Um, and so I'm really like, despite like Chicago being like that academic rigor, like where it's like read and do nothing else other than reading. Like 
you're taught to think in a way that um, is different. Hmm. And like even fun, like fondness looking back, um, like there are times that like I'm on the A level of the reg and just like being with people, like doing what we call studying, which is mostly just having fun. Um, <laughs> and, and just like spending time together. I think I look back and the most fond things are like the times that I had in the dorm with my friends mm. where like during my first two years in college, my room was more communal than it was my room. So like sometimes I come back to class and there's already people hanging out in my room and like those memories where I get to spend time with people, those memories that like where you find people of similar interests, similar values that you get to like really bond with and like those all nighters that you pull together, um, like struggling through class together. Like that's, I think I look upon that and I'm like, man, like I'm really fond of those experiences mm. in some twisted way. Um, <laughs> Because I like, and like, as I look back on it and um, like things that I do differently, it's like, man, like I got really close to people pulling all nighters. Like you feel closest to someone at like 3 a.m. Um, <laughs> when you're both not really sane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you're like, you're up and you're like, man, like it's bad, but at least I have you. Mm. Or you like look over and like the guy you're supposed to be pulling on all nighter with is like passed out on his laptop and you're like, what the heck? And like, I look upon that and I'm like, man, like that's fond. But what I do differently is I don't think I actually needed to pull a single all nighter in college. Hmm. Um, hmm. And I say that as someone who used to pencil in their all nighters every week. Hmm. I say that as someone who like during my second year in college, I stayed up for 76 hours straight. Like having done all that, I don't think I needed to do that a single time. Mm. Um, because the truth of the matter is I don't like now in the working world. And I know everyone says this, but like your grades don't really matter. Mm. Um, like the difference between like, a like an A or B plus or B minus in that one class is not going to make or break like the job you get. Mm -hmm. And that's right. Yeah. Like I look at my job now, I was economics. I studied that I've used less than 1% of what I've learned on yep. the job. Yep. And like, so yeah, like they, that when they jobs hire you, they recognize that you probably haven't learned all the stuff you need to know. You don't have the practical experience, but what they're looking for is someone that like they will want to work with every day that asks the right questions. And so like when you go through that and when you learn to be skeptical and yeah, like when you learn to ask the right questions, like you, you come into the working world and you're like, yeah, like things are different and I don't need that a plus or a minus or B or C to like tell me what I am or what I'm worth. Because like, even as I like look back on it, like no one cares that I had a 4.0 in East Asian language and Civ. Like, mm. it's never gonna mean anything in my entire life. Yeah. Like, actually, <laughs> mm. but 
what cares like what matters is like actually spending time with people yeah. and so i think i do that differently mm. um i think that i'd like i prioritize relationships more mm. um and maybe that's my soft hearted because like i i lost two friends in college or something like that but i think looking back on it like even now like the dorm friends that i have were spread across the country my fraternity brothers and I were spread across the country. Even like the, my mentors and I that from college were spread across the country. Mm. Like there's a level of like, man, I did not appreciate how easy it was to spend time with people and to grow in relationships mm. when I had them in front of me. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the one thing that like, as I go back, like, man, I'd really do that differently. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that perspective. It's really, it's, it's so easy to undervalue our relationships. It's like, it's so easy, especially when we're busy and, and at a campus like UChicago where, you know, they really glorify like basically the work and the school and, you know, like that, yeah. that's sort of the badge of honor, right? Like how busy people are and how many all-nighters you pull and things like that. So yeah. Um, let's do one more question here. You're Jeff B, um, acts to network team member staff. A staffer for our church. <laughs> Woo! Um, so what's surprising about that to you? Uh, <laughs> like as you think about the journey that you've been on. Um, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm frankly shocked myself. So um, I'm, I mean, I'm very thankful to the Lord, of course. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, your, your life could have gone any number of ways, but here you are. Um, what, but for you, I, I I guess from your perspective, like, is, is that surprising or kind of like, how have you processed that where you are now? Yeah, I think that if you had told me four years ago that I would be like staff, like a, like a mentor to sophomores, mm. not even like maybe at you should like you pick any campus, like just a mentor to sophomores in their spiritual life. I'd laugh at you. <laughs> uh, I I think if you, even if you had told me that three years ago during my senior year, I would laugh at you. Mm. Um, I <laughs> maybe even two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even after you graduated, well, I don't know. Yeah. For full reference, so I made I I became team last year, mm -hmm. and since then they've changed the requirements so that you like do the internship and then yeah. you have, like the extra year. So obviously, like after they let me on team, they were like, dude, we got to change everything. Oh, yeah. Like, how did that guy make the cut? Yeah, we pretty much had to change the standards for you because of you. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think like looking back on it, I'm really amazed on the ways that I've actually experienced healing in my life. Mm. Um, and so like we... This is a full conversation, but like through all of my senior year, through all of my first year out, my second year out, and up until this past year, actually, I struggled with, um, so medical definition is MDD, so major depressive disorder and severe anxiety um, as like a result of everything that happened in college. And even today, as I talk to you about my two friends passing, like, like that if you had asked me three years ago to tell that story, mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been able to tell it to you. Right. Right. And yet now I'm able to share that 
with people and I'm able to share my journey, able to like talk about what's going on in my heart in a way that's like, man, like if my story can be used to help one person, like, and, and sharing that, like, then it's worth it. Mm. And I think that like that healing that I've experienced as like, I reopen, like, um, I like reopen that wound to talk about it. Mm. And then I think I've been able to heal correctly because of it. I think the first time that like when everything happened, I think I bottled things up and I was like, I, I don't really want to deal with this. I never really want to deal with it. And I think if it weren't for like the church and being able to like mentoring students that like struggle with depression or like having friends that struggle with depression, like having to reopen that wound to be like, Hey, like this is what helped me. Yeah. I struggle with that too. And I'm here for you if you need it. And each time that I do reopen it and like heal that wound, it heals a little better. And I've like the different areas of my life that are redeemed because of that, I think are like really amazing. And like, like what it, like even this past year. Um, so my first friend passed four years ago. Mm. Um, and this past year, pretty much on the anniversary of his passing, we started fraternity outreach. Wow. Like even that's able to be like redeemed somehow. Yeah. Like wow. somehow like God has used all of these different experiences, all of these different low points and even some of the high points to say like, Hey, like I will use everything to reach that one lost soul. And I think that that picture of like what it means to have a relationship with God has changed a lot. And like, as a staff, I like, I don't know, my heart has grown a lot. Mm. I think if you had asked me like, like over the years, like, Hey, like how many people are on your heart? Like how many people like burden you? How many people do you like, are you burdened for? Like in the beginning, when I was dealing with my depression, it's like me and hopefully like this goes okay. <laughs> mm. And over time it's become so many more. Yeah. And like, I think about all the students that I'm like, Oh, I need to get a care package for him or, Oh, he's going into his first final season and I need to like, I want to be there and help him too. Mm. And I think my, my whole perspective on life changed from like, it's about me and how I make myself successful, how I use other people for my good to being like, Hey, how can I help you? Mm. And I think that shift in perspective has changed my life in a lot of ways. Yeah. I actually don't know if I answered your question, but it's all good, man. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm blessed by that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing. I think it's amazing indeed how God's um, healed you. And, and uh, giving you new purpose. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and then I'm thankful he's redeeming all the parts from your past. You know, I was so encouraged when I heard that, you know, you were starting up the frat outreach thing at SDSU. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Any, um, any questions for me? I usually give chance, uh, for people to ask a question or two at the end. Um, anything that you're curious about maybe, you know, in our relationship or anything like that. So, yeah. Um, so we did. So for those students, uh, part of like part of uh, Voice Church, we we do like course one hundred one, two hundred one, three hundred one. 
I did 301 as a one-on-one with you. Is that what right? Did you, yeah, I did course 301 as a one-on-one because I didn't I didn't have any peers. So I didn't have oh, anyone yeah, in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I did it just with you. I'm kind of curious, like, like coming into that time, you like sort of knew me, mm-hmm. but like the the impression you had of me was like the guy who's like sleeping on your bench while he's supposed to write his testimony kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, like, what did what was your perspective going into that, and mm-hmm. then what it like, what is it coming like, what was it coming out of it or now? Yeah. Okay, so just so I get my facts straight before I answer the question. Yeah. Did we did we meet at your place? I, I'm trying to rem- I'm trying to imagine where we met. Um, we I- met once at my place, but we mostly met when you were living on um, in, in the second the Kimbark the, second- uh, the the new Kimbark. Yeah, new Kimbark. The yeah, new yeah. Kimbark. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And we probably met like in my office or something, probably. Right. I'm trying to. Oh man, I'm, I can't. We met in your. We we would have. Kata would cook us food. And then, or Kata would cook you food and I'd just eat. (laughs) 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 I think I ate so much of your food that year. Oh yeah. It was awesome. (laughs) So, Um, yeah. And we met at your place a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So here's what I do. Cause I actually don't remember some of those, some of the details, but here's what I do remember. Um, Cause I, I just, I just remember. Yeah. Cause I think you went through like a, uh, kind of a crazy conversion experience, uh, uh, sort of, um, like rapid growth, uh, because you were sort of, you know, that kind of that period that you were, uh, living at with the guys. Um, but at the same time, I think, I think we were highly aware that, you know, like you're someone who had, um, like very, very little church background, right? Your lifestyle was like very not Christian. Um, <laughs> You know, if I, if I may say it that way. Um, right. And so, yeah, yeah, they were like different. So, you know, we knew that, you know, like the sanctification, sanctification process is going to take some time. Right. And, and, but it's, it's sometimes it's unclear, like what to tackle first or what, you know, like, you know, cause it just depends like on kind of how the Holy Spirit's leading your life. And so, um, so I remember being slightly confused constantly about what the, what the next best thing would be. Right. And I think, I think the attempt at doing 301 with you was because 301 is a lot more practical issues in Christian life. And so I think, I, I think from my perspective, I didn't know where you were going to be after college. And, um, I'm like, well, it'd be nice to talk to you about these practical Christian life things, um, before you graduate. Right. Um, Cause again, like, and, and, and at the time, like 301 is probably the best content that we had for that or the best framework. Um, yeah. but, but here's what I remember. I, I remember feeling as we went through it, that it was too much for you. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I, and I don't know if that's how, actually how you felt, but I started to get the sense that it was too much information, um, too many things to start changing because the, the, I guess the information that you're getting is um, by nature convicting because if you're not doing the things that the <laughs> materials describing, then you would feel convicted by it. Right. And yeah. so then, but then maybe a little bit too much of that, like back to back to back to back and all these areas that you suddenly need to grow in can be slightly overwhelming. And I think that was also the period at which we, we started to get a sense that you're, you were starting to really struggle with your mental health. And I think we were, I think through Stefan, we were getting, I was getting some data like, like, Hey, like, you know, it seems like Jeff's kind of struggling with or whatever. And so like we, 
So I, I, I remember at some point we stopped doing 301. Yeah. And, and, and that was the reason. It was sort of to make room for the more immediate thing that you needed help with, which was, um, at least from my perspective, we, we needed to just give you a that kind of presence. Like we just needed to be a community around you. Like, you know, like Stefan and, you know, the guys who are ministering to you just needed kind of some time with you. And then I think later, yeah. later on, I think what you did with him was something more, a little bit more directly related to the mental health anxiety stuff. Um, but yeah, from my perspective, that's, that's what I remember about that period that making those okay. shifts. So does that, does that kind of check out with kind of some of your memory around it? Yeah. I remember never finishing 301. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we ever finished. Yeah. Shocker, you know, team member. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, they had to change all the requirements. That's why right? they changed the requirements. Now it's a requirement. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's fitting the narrative. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember never finishing. Mm -hmm. I remember, man, this is a whole nother story, but I remember, uh, like the one big step we took during that time was, um, like going so becoming sober. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And That's like right. Yeah, yeah. Cutting all that stuff from my life. I remember the prayer time at Lake Michigan. Mm, yes. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the sequence of events. I just remember like you, you're like, okay, like you're, you need to make this decision to become sober. And, and so we were like, we should do something like to commemorate that or like, something drastic yeah. yeah yeah i remember that and then i remember eating taco bell after <laughs> see it like I'm again with, you, again you with the, the, fast, reason I got the fat. fast food theme yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny it's a crazy story it, for you guys listening you should ask dp about it sometime <laughs> <laughs> yeah we won't talk about it on the air but <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, in the, in the, uh, this is completely unrelated to anything, but you know, because we're talking about, um, uh, how we ate so much, uh, you know, through our recent DT in Hebrews, I was joking with our staff that, um, Hebrews nine, oh, sorry, Hebrews 13, nine should be our, um, key verse for this winter in here in Chicago. And it says, um, the second part of the verse says it is, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. So just the thought, uh, just a thought there. Yeah. I've been on the receiving end of the, the food has not benefited me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so we should be strengthened by grace and, and not so much by the foods. So I'm totally taking so that verse out, out of there. context, but yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> you, you need an extra layer out in Chicago. Yeah. You know, but yeah, the problem is that we, we don't shed the layer by the next winter. That's that's the problem. So then you keep getting new layers anyways. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you should just move to San Diego. Since, since coming to San Diego, I think I've shed a layer. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, it's, it's 70, 72 degrees all year there. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's perfect all year round. Nice. Well, any, uh, yeah. any last thoughts, Jeff, uh, before we close this, any, any straight thoughts that you would like to share? Um, oh man. I think for the students listening, um, actually, I don't know how many students actually listen, but no, good, good, no, with a good number of them. Yeah. Good number of them. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that 
and maybe because it's, it's, I'm Asian. And so like the growing up, like you don't really talk about your mental health. You don't talk about what you're struggling with. Um, I think that as you go through college, um, especially at U Chicago, where the thing is like, what's your next grade? When's your next internship? You're talking about your next internship before your last internship even ended. <laughs> and like mm. in that culture of like cutthroat, somewhat snakiness, it's hard to be open. It's hard to open up to people about what's actually going on in your life or if you need help. And I, and I think that's as small as like, hey, my I need help studying hmm. or I need like, I don't know what to do. Like, despite, you know, DP being DP, he's got a master's. Like, you know, ask him and like <laughs> all these, you know, like there's so many people that can help you in your life. And it's like, it's not just school. It's your spiritual life. It's your mental health. It's, it's like everything it, it, as small as like, I have no idea how to cook. And like, mm. like you don't get there unless like someone sees you like horrendously burn a pan and then they're like, Oh man, <laughs> I need to help you. Yeah. Unless you like talk to someone about right, it. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like, I think that when it comes to our weakness, we're often like, man, I need to hide this from people. Mm. But I encourage you to talk to people. And I encourage you to open your lives up because in doing that, like out, even outside of like spiritual things, like I think that you find that there is a lot of great things that come from that. Mm. And so like for you guys at UChicago, that is super isolating. And I don't know if they still do this, but for us in our first year, during our orientation week, they taught us how to make eye contact with people. Mm. So like in that kind of culture, like, man, like talking to people is like, can be so immensely helpful. Yeah. So I highly encourage you guys to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word, man. Appreciate you uh, taking time out to, to yeah, hop course. on and we'll hopefully have a part two to get into some of the more details of your post-grad experience. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. Dang. I can talk all day. <laughs> That's most of you Chicago students can. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for joining for uh, this first installment of alumni and hopefully we can get some more on. Well, yeah. Thanks Jeff for uh, making time. Yeah, of course. <laughs>